Welcome to Not Your Average Gun Girls. We are your hosts. I'm Amy Robbins, the founder and CEO of Alexo Athletica. And I'm Emily Valentine, the creator of the lifestyle blog, Style Me Tactical. We are a lifestyle show meant to empower women to live confident, prepared, self-reliant lives. We talk everything from our favorite beauty products to concealed carry firearms and everything in between and bring guests on our show with compelling stories that will inspire and encourage you in your journey. This episode is brought to you by StyleMeTactical.com, a lifestyle website sharing concealed carry tips, outfits, and preparedness advice, and Alexo Athletica, the first active carry wear line on the market keeping women safe and stylish. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. So glad that you are joining us today. We have a very special guest with us. We've been um, playing a little bit of podcast tag. I don't know how you <laughs> how you want to call it to, to have her on, but we are so excited to have Diana Muller with us. Diana, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for the time and thanks for the patience uh, to do this little podcast. Well, Diana, welcome. When you're off conquering the world and doing as much as you do, it we feel very lucky to have been able to nail down a time to get you on this show. So, you know, you guys might remember Diana, if you go back and listen to our old episodes, we did an episode with her where Diana caught us up on all the exciting things she has going on in the competitive shooting world. But we wanted to focus now there's so much going on when it comes to uh, you can't turn on your news without hearing about gun legislation and, and what's happening on that side of the Second Amendment world. And so we wanted to jump right in with you and and find out what has been going on. You are the founder of the DC Project. And for those of our uh, those in our audience who are not familiar with that, go ahead and catch us up and tell us what the DC Project is and what you guys are focusing on. Okay, so the DC Project is 50 women, one from every state-ish. And we go to Washington, DC as an educational, nonpartisan effort to meet with our legislators as gun owners and Second Amendment supporters. So uh, this is in our fourth year. I actually just did a 501c4 earlier this year. So we're a legitimate nonprofit and we are going to be growing and uh, taking that effort down into the state level as well as encouraging people to do the same thing at their local levels. We have to get engaged in these um, races and we have to make sure we have good leadership uh, with a really solid constitutional background to to get into leadership positions. For sure. I don't think uh, people are understanding just how important this next election is coming up because I've been saying this now for months that there are many people on a, a certain side of the political spectrum um, that are no longer hiding in the shadows on what their agenda is when it comes to gun mm-hmm. control. What used to be um, I, I say it was nicely packaged in common sense gun reform is now coming out of the shadows as straight up confiscation. Mm-hmm. And we cannot hide those of us who do support the Second Amendment, no matter what side of the political aisle you fall on, we cannot sit back any longer and be silent about what's happening in DC. And so I think what you guys are doing is so important and to use women to get that word out there, um, what kind of effects have you been seeing this have on the legislative side since you started the DC project? Well, I really do think that it's important for women uh, because especially since there's the mom demands actions, I call them the red coats, the red shirts, 
Um, they have long since been, um, you know, the vocal ones. And we want to be kind of the counter to the mom's demand. We want to be mom's demand constitutional stuff as opposed to unconstitutional rights restrictors. So uh, it's it has been important to, to use the women, the female voice. And I do believe that we are moving the needle there. But honestly, it's not it's not going to be an easy fight and we have to uh, we have to each one of us as individuals have to educate ourselves we have to understand how to have a more palatable truth when it comes to explaining why does anybody need an ar-15 um we have to in order to be more effective so there's work not only to be done on the outside of our community but within our community and um that's one of one of my main messages right now for for the choir, preaching to the choir. And speaking of preaching to the choir, you, I think everyone, if they haven't seen it, I don't know how, recently were testifying to Congress on the current uh, Second Amendment issues. I mean, that footage went everywhere. I was so amazed to see kind of it. It, the moment of like going viral, so to speak, for like all that footage, you sitting there testifying before Congress. Like, I, how do you, before we get into like specific details, I just want to know how you even prepare for that because I don't think I would be able to even be able to compose complete sentences. I would just be so nervous and, and just nerve wracked by it. Well, it was a very big stage, and I did feel the magnitude of speaking for hundreds of millions of Americans. So that uh, I definitely did prepare and do my homework and tried to make sure that my written testimony, which was um, unlimited, I mean, that was like huge. I was like, I can write anything I want and put it into the record. So, I mean, there was that. Wow. And then I really focused on my five-minute opener. And I felt good about it. I was actually able to give it to the Gun Rights Policy Conference. I was sitting there on a Sunday morning, rewriting and writing and practicing. And um, I said, hey, this this is a crowd of a thousand. And I looked terrible. And, uh, you know, just a Sunday morning going to a conference. And I asked asked, uh, Alan Gottlieb's wife, um, Julianne, if I could get up. And she said, yes, first time she'd ever met me. You guys are going to love this story. So first time she'd ever met me, I'm asking her for five minutes of her very structured time of a conference. And it just so happened. It was a God thing that there was five minutes to spare. And I got to give it. Uh, The crowd went wild. They literally were clapping during the middle of it. They gave me a standing ovation at the end. And but that's not the good part of the story. That made me feel good. Like, okay, my message is on point. Um, that made me feel good for sure. But then the part you're going to like is that, um, Julianne was wearing a pink dress that, that morning. And afterwards I was thanking her for going, uh, you know, letting me speak. And another gal that was there, Robin Sandoval from a girl. And again, she's like, well, what are you going to wear? And I was telling her about these couple of dresses that, well, you should wear a, a solid color because that doesn't compete with you. And they're going on and on and on. And somebody said like her dress, and pointed to Julianne. And I, uh, I said, I, she goes, do you want this dress? And I said, I can't fit in that dress. And she goes, Oh, I think you can. I was like, I don't think I can. She's a very small woman. And, uh, she said, I'll go upstairs right now and take it off. And I, I was just like, well, thank you. So she comes back down with the pink dress 
dressed in something completely different and in a white dress. And if you go back and look at my testimony, I'm wearing a pink dress. And on Fox News, I'm wearing a white dress. The most expensive dresses I've ever that had in my body. That is amazing. <laughs> you hey, know, but you know, you know what though? Like, there's something to that. I can't tell you the difference of like slipping my foot in like a designer shoe versus just like my regular shoe from Nordstrom Rack that I am I will wear all the time. I'm like, there's just some level of confidence that I mean, you yeah. get this this extra zhuzh, this extra like burst inside of you when you know you're slipping into well, like. Well, for me, it awesome. wasn't about the value mm-hmm. of the dress, but it was about my community literally giving me the shirt off their back in order for me to look my best going to Congress. So, made me feel good. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you focused on in your speech. If you haven't seen this speech, um, you've got it in your Instagram IGTV, right? That people can go back and watch this testimony. I've got some pieces of it. Yes. We'll, we'll it link was it. Three, I'll find it. We'll link it. it was like we'll three and a half hours. If you don't. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the thing that's so important, if you didn't get to watch it, we'll, we'll put a link up to it so you can go and see it because you had so much good information in there about this question that everybody is getting asked right now. Whether you are a Second Amendment supporter or you just are completely against firearms completely, everyone's asking the question, why do we need AR-15s? Everyone is, everyone is asking that. And so to have good, solid like information that is backing up that claim. It is so important to know your, your points and to know Mm -hmm. why you believe what you believe as a second amendment supporter. So definitely go and check that out for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just so proud of you. I loved watching you. I was so proud to see you on Fox news and and what you're doing out there is just awesome. I mean, I feel like I couldn't open social media without seeing your face. I was (laughs) like, Oh my gosh, I'm so proud. We know her. (laughs) I know. We're like, we know her. (laughs) Well, you have, and you have this conversation obviously every almost every day I'm sure and you've encountered so many different people from all walks of life who have the differing views and I know that we have a lot of our listeners and and Amy and I've also talked about the personal impact it's had on us being being gun owners and and losing friend friendships from that so what are some of the the things that you could you know some tips that you might have for our listeners if they do encounter, you know, a friend or, or just someone out in, in conversation talking about the Second Amendment, how they can go about sort of bridging that gap and and helping someone else who might be anti-gun to understand sort of the reasons why it's so important to support support our Second Amendment and our Constitution. Well, definitely having the heart to want to create that bridge and have that conversation is the first step. But, um, you know... Just recently, I kind of had the epiphany that I want everybody to be safe. I want to walk around my community, this world, uh, in a safe manner. And, And as a police officer for 22 years, I understand that a firearm is a tool that makes me safe. So if you are on the safety train and you want to talk about how to be safer in this world, then come talk to somebody who owns a gun. If you have a, an agenda that you want to disarm America and you and that's just your goal, it's not to get the AR-15. It's truly there is the movement that, that to disarm America. And we're never going to see eye to eye with those people. But there are so many people in the middle that just need to have 
information and education um, that you have to have those conversations with your friends, your family, and your community. And, you know, maybe this is time for you to run for the school board. Maybe it's time for somebody to um, get outside their comfort level and do something that's going to provide good leadership for for the community. Sure. I, I, absolutely. I mean, and, and how much do you think, we talk about this all the time, Diana, about how it's a lot easier to to sit back and let somebody take your rights away from you when it's not personal to you, when it hasn't become personalized mm-hmm. in your life on some level, you know, and, and I see it a lot of times from people who it starts with the AR-15 because the AR-15 is the easiest one to to make the big, bad, scary gun. It's the easiest right. one to say, let's start with that. Let's ban, let's confiscate that firearm. But as we know, government never stops there. It's, it's one way to set a precedent to start restricting the rest of our gun rights. And we understand that being on this side. Mm-hmm. But how important do you think it is? So I want your audience to know that uh, the 2018 FBI statistics just came out recently. And there were 298, I believe, definitely less than 300 uh, lives taken with uh, any kind of rifle at all, let alone just AR-15s. So 300, 300 out of the 40,000 number that they um, talk about, it doesn't constitute a, a public health crisis in my opinion. Um, now those, each of those 298 lives is one too many if it was unjustifiably taken. So um, that, that's why magazine capacity restrictions mean nothing to me. I, you know, I want everybody to be um, responsible for every bullet that comes out of out of their firearm. So that makes no that that's just not an argument for me. No, I I love that you gave that because um that because also in that report came out the statistics that knives, fist feet, hands, <laughs> yeah. blunt force objects are killing more people per year than the AR-15. And it's important we talked with our audience about this last time. The FBI does not differentiate what type of rifle is used. So we don't know if it's a hunting accident and they don't say if it was an accident or not. Right. I mean, so we don't know really what that number is just according to the FBI statistics. So when you hear politicians wanting to use that statistic about how many times they're killed, when you look at the FBI's, you don't actually know what that breakdown necessarily is. Just like, you know, they want to use that statistic with handguns and take out the fact that majority of those handgun deaths are used in suicides. You know, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of information out there. I love that you gave that statistic so that people can use that in this argument. Cause it's an important thing. Well, the antis are definitely well-funded and well-organized and they are controlling the messaging with the media, with the politicians. And to, to say that it's um, a, a public health nuisance or to call it weapons of mass destruction is just totally dishonest. Uh, in my opinion. So uh, people really need to hear and digest and dig in a little bit more than just, oh, we have to do something. You know, Congress has to do something. That's why I was so excited the night before I uh, testified this whole hashtag doing something and what the firearms industry is doing um, to have really meaningful measures when it comes to safety in America. So whether it be Project Child Safe that'll give out uh, locks or um, own it, respect it, secure it from NSSF or Eddie Eagle teaching our kids how to, how to approach firearms. 
Um, we are doing something. And I wanted, I asked Congress, I said, hey, if you really want to do something, then work with us instead of demonizing us. I went over School Shield and Faster Saves Lives, which is a school security programs. And then also Walk the Talk America. These programs, uh, Walk the Talk America, if you haven't seen it, is um, suicide awareness, which is two-thirds of that 40,000 number is, is suicide. So, mm-hmm. you know, the firearms industry is doing something. And we need mm-hmm. to start talking, tuning our own horn a little bit when it comes to, hey, we, we are law-abiding normal, caring people. And this is what we are doing work with us instead of making us out to be the bad guys. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like as a gun owner, a lot of times I'm having to play defense. Yeah. And that's kind of been our strategy for so long. Whereas you're right, getting out and talking about more stuff like that is like an offensive strategy that I think we would benefit from as a community if we absolutely do that a lot more. Well, because the media is not turning around and talking about these doing something programs or helping to spread education on what actually responsible firearm owners are doing or how they or how they live the lifestyle. All they care about is talking about the AR-15 restricting and our rights, communicating out the, you know, destructive, you know, the scary the scary weapons and all the features and all the things that basically the people who don't know anything about firearms or, or just immediately grab onto just that little piece. And then that's, that's it. And that's what they believe. And they don't want to hear anything else, which is unfortunate. So we have to continue to be speaking about it as responsible owners. Well, and let me tell you that I had right after I testified, it was kind of weird. I felt like, are you, it just came in. To, in twos. I had two people tell me that, that they were gun owners. One was at a match telling me that they really didn't have a problem with universal background checks. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that. And let's talk about why I don't like universal background checks. Um, first of all, it's, it will affect our lives exponentially. I mean, I loan out guns all the time because of my profession. Uh, if somebody comes to a match and they need a gun, I can loan them a gun. And there's no 4473. But if my, if this law were to go through, um, I would have to do a 4473 every time somebody came over to go duck hunting and needed a shotgun. Um, so it is going to affect people's lives immediately. And then ultimately, I feel like background checks are, are just going to roll into a registry, which is going to roll in an easy light switch to, to do confiscation. So when you give them that kind of language and you give them that kind of argument, I mean, mm-hmm. that didn't take too long. That was kind of an elevator speech. But we have to, as a firearms community, we have to have that elevator speech, whether it be about red flag laws, about universal background checks, about AR-15, assault weapons ban, um, we have to have those short, sweet, um, little tidbits that people can go away without, because it's really difficult to answer. Why does anybody need an AR-15? Well, I say it's the most versatile and most adjustable, sure. um, America's most popular rifle for a reason. So, uh, and in red flag laws, I, a, most states have emergency order detentions where 72 hour hold you might hear. So there's already things in place to, to, to take people who are having issues and and evaluate them and hold them. Uh, The red flag laws just seem to be a way to skirt the legislature, you know, the due process. 
and um, take people's take people's firearms. So it's Absolutely. really important for you to say that over and over and over again and have that conversation. So when you do have it with somebody who is is uh, yeah. on the fence or on the left, then you can you know you can have an articulate articulatable uh, conversation and, and points. Well, and you know, I think it's so interesting that this is a bipartisan thing. Like you guys are focusing on the constitution. This is not a, this is not a political party thing that you're doing because, you know, we've even seen it. This is why I think it's so important that you know why the second amendment is so important and put politicians in place that actually are going to uphold the constitution because we see it on the Republican side too. We just saw a big push on the Republic on a lot of Republican side that I don't know if they just weren't red, well versed in what red flag laws truly mean. Um, but I think as a second amendment community, we have to stand up even if it's for the party that we voted for and say, whoa, 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 whoa. If we don't agree with something that you're doing, I think it's super important as a second amendment community to let our voices be heard. And sometimes I think we're scared to do that because we think, well, what's the alternative? But we have to hold our politicians accountable just as much as we do the other side so that they realize that there's a lot of us out here who do want you to abide by the Constitution. We do want you to know that this is a slippery slope um, when you start implementing red flag laws, mm-hmm. universal background checks. Um, you know, we have to stand up and like make your issue your issue. Well, the Second what Amendment better, is our issue. <laughs> and I'm going to be very vocal what about that. Reason whether, to, um go and make an appointment to meet your legislator than to be heard and to be a voice. But honestly, you know, those politicians, I feel like the DC project is, you know, we've started out really good, but I'm coming back down to the state level. I'm coming back down to the local level because I realize that, you know, it's the local level that are electing these people that are taking these positions. So it's not enough that we go to our, it's not enough that we go to our politicians yeah. and say, this is why I believe this way. That's really important for you to be, you know, a voice and to be heard. But it's even more important for you to have those conversations with your friends, your family, your neighbor, your church, you know, go into your church and say, hey, does anybody want to go to the range today? Um, let's talk about how to what happens if somebody comes in here with some evil intentions of, of doing harm. You know, there are things, even if you aren't armed, there are things that we can do to yep. to be safer and be successful in an attack like that. So that's my passion is. Well, I think that goes back mm-hmm. to like the making it personal, like you're yeah. passionate about making it personal to people mm-hmm. so that they'll start paying attention to the issues and realizing like once it becomes personal to you, you're going to fight a lot more for your right. You're going to fight against someone trying to take it from you if it's become personal to you, you know? Right. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people, especially when it comes to firearms, who the, the people who are not, I guess, I wouldn't say they're, they're kind of like in the middle. It's not personal for them. They, they kind of can flip-flop either way. And so that's why they kind of just either go with one headline or, or go with, go with another and then use that as, as, um, you know, their, their talking point, which is unfortunate. I'm curious, Diana, with the DC project, when you guys are going to talk to, um, legislation at the local, or even when you're come down to DC, how is the, uh, reception been, um, from some of the people you've spoken to? You know, not not even just you, like some of the ladies who come from the different states when they go to speak to to their state representatives. Now, I think it's been overall a pretty positive experience. And now remember, you know, 
the whole idea was to create relationships with these offices. So like right now, um, I'm actually in a conversation with one of my legislators about what kind of uh, law uh, I would like to see a pro-gun law. So I'm actually talking to them about how uh, if you're going to disarm me as a corporation or a business, that, then I would like for you to have the liability of my security placed on you. So kind of put the onus back on them if they're going to disarm me and not allow me to protect myself. So that's something that, you know, those relationships are what we really want from the D.C. project that, that these legislators can reach back, you know, that it's a two-way street. We go and we be, we be seen, we be heard, but if they have questions, comments, concerns uh, in this arena that they have somebody that they, can, that they can rely on, that they kind of trust after the years of going back and forth. Now, that being said, there's a lot of people that uh, hate us and don't particularly care for our stance. So, um, like I remember, uh, the first year Dick Durbin was really, really ugly to our girls, but they have gone back every year since. And it seems like that relationship is a little less hostile just because it's really hard to be ugly to somebody you actually know now. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is so true. Well, Diana, thank you so much for what you're doing right now with the DC Project. If somebody wants to get involved on a state, local, or even a national level with, with the DC Project, where do they go and what do they do? Well, check out dcproject.info. And uh, we didn't even talk about I Will Not Comply, did we? We've got I Will Not Comply shirts. We've got uh, hashtag doing something right. shirts. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll say this about the I Will Not Comply is that I didn't say that to be disrespectful or rude. I said that because uh, this the law that we were in the hearing for is unconstitutional, in my opinion, and, and it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but I was berated by another member of the witness, uh, chief of police, saying that I I she was appalled that any police officer would say they wouldn't obey the law. And I wanted another chance to speak to her and say, Hey, you and I both took an oath to uphold the constitution. So these police officers and these legislators are going to have to realize that at some point you're going to make a really difficult decision. It's not just me being a bump stock owner, me being an AR owner that you're making us choose to be either a felon or comply with the law, uh, an unconstitutional law. So, um, the dcproject.info is where they can find out information. Now, I would I would uh, tell your audience that be patient. This is a very grassroots level. It is me uh, having ten plates spinning, and one of them is the DC project. And I have to I have to come by and spin it every once in a while. But um, we definitely plan on expanding, and how we're going to do that is fundraising. So um, I really feel like this deserves somebody to be doing this full time. And hopefully one of my girls can step up and, and be that kind of executive uh, director and, um, and, and really start expanding a lot more. So any kind of fundraising, of course, fundraising is always important, but any kind of fundraising ideas that people might have, hey, come to our town, I'll send a couple of girls, they can tell their stories and talk about why this, this is important to support. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And of course, anything we can do to support you and the DC project, let us know. We love hearing about um, all the things that you're doing with this great organization. And we want to make sure that we're spreading that message to all our listeners and they can continue to spread it to their um, 
friends and family. So it's just a, it, it's a great way to get involved if you've been looking for a way to kind of get more active in supporting uh, the Second Amendment. And I think there's one only other thing I wanted to quickly talk about is the uh, huge, speaking of Second Amendment, there's a huge uh, Second Amendment rally happening in D.C. November 2nd. That's coming that up. I believe, uh, Diana, you were also speaking I at. I am speaking at that. And I'm so excited because for, for years I've been asking myself, I'm like, watching everybody else rally on Capitol and, and in Washington, D.C. And I'm like, why don't the gun owners ever do this? So I'm really excited to see who shows up. I want everybody to know it's um, um, this Saturday, November 1st, uh, mm-hmm. on the West Capitol of the Lawn, which is so amazingly powerful. And um, from it was 1 to 4, but now I think they've backed it up to 2 to 1230. So somewhere around the noontime hour, uh, come join us on the Capitol lawn. Yeah. Um, do not bring uh, any kind of firearms The even as a police officer, I can carry in all 50 States, but I can, I know you can't carry, I there. cannot carry in the three square miles of the Capitol. They have their own police department It's the Capitol police. And even I, as a retired police officer yep. cannot carry on Capitol grounds. So, um, just come with your signs, come knowing that we are at large numbers, that we will take care of each other and um, bring your Sunday best, uh, put a smile on your face and let's, let's put the face of a real gun owner out there for all the world to see. Awesome. Yeah. It's going to be a great time. Well, thank you, Diana. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you guys or talk to you guys. Same time, same place. Have a good one. The Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and its related companies, Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com, strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.